and welcome to Barry Dunn's podcast, Healthcare Technology Insights. My name is Dan Vogt, and I'm a principal here with Barry Dunn and lead our healthcare consulting practice. I'm hosting this podcast today, and I'm really excited about it. Healthcare Technology Insights is here to inform, instruct, and energize healthcare leaders. Our podcast will include healthcare professionals from all over the nation. We'll bring key topics for discussion that have a real impact on the healthcare industry. Speaking of healthcare leaders, our very special guest today is Brian Hadley. He's both a friend and a colleague of mine. He's a manager at our consulting team. And quite frankly, I think of him as a healthcare security geek. I mean that as the biggest possible compliment. Brian is a certified information system security professional and a healthcare information security and privacy practitioner. So he certainly has perspective for today's podcast that might help keep our listeners up at night and hopefully give them a few tips that might make rest a little bit easier. Besides being a security professional, Brian is a proud dad of a three-year-old son and an avid fan of Dave Matthews Band. Brian, welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you here. Thanks very much, Dan. Happy to happy to join you. So let's jump into it. Let's really kind of talk about cybersecurity and healthcare data. You know, kind of yeah. give us the give our listeners a sense of of your perspective when you first kind of got into this field and found your passion. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's do that. Thanks, Dan. So you know. It, a lot of my focus has always been on kind of healthcare data and, and cybersecurity, like you said. Um, let me start kind of on the healthcare data piece and and where we, we saw that, you know, many, many years ago. You know, I think one of the most um, the most obvious differences between then and now simply is the like the amount of data, you know, you know 15, 20 years ago, we were just starting to see more um, more mainstream use of EHRs, really, but there was still a whole lot of paper in healthcare. And if you think about it at that time, where, you know, really where, where were your records for the most part? They were with your PCP, maybe a specialist or a hospital here and there. Um, but once PHI became electronic became EPHI that sort of exploded and and your data is really everywhere now like you know um I know you and I are both Apple watch wearers right so 20 years ago Apple was focused on fitting our music library in our pocket but now Apple has our health data and we you know we can connect to our our health record from our phones um Luckily, we can also pretty much get any song we want on top of that. Um, but you know, another example might be like um, Amazon. So again, back then, 15, 20 years ago, they had kind of started expanding into e-commerce and not from, uh, from you know, they started as just books, right? But now they're your pharmacy. So, you know, there's data really to be had everywhere. Um, and then... So, so you know, going along with just the healthcare data piece, there's the the cybersecurity side of the discussion too. But I think the story is kind of the same. Um, it's everywhere now. It's 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 certainly part of many of our lives on a daily basis. It's part of the conversation everywhere. Um, so awareness has really increased. When I first started, you know, basic security controls might have been you know making sure to change your password, having a password period. Um, so that was a long-winded answer, but 
you covered some good ground there that you know kind of might set the stage for this this discussion. You know, and I like your perspective with Amazon and Apple, right? Because I think when you think about cybersecurity and and in healthcare, we might just be thinking too narrowly, right? Just within the walls of my PCP office, or just within the walls of the hospital, right? Yeah. But, but to your point, it, it's in every nook and cranny at this point, right? You're, from your wrist to your pocket to your PCP, you've got healthcare data, right? And all is at, at risk and all is under threat to some degree, right? And the last episode I was on, I was talking with an IT leader from a, a hospital and her comment was how much every single thing connects into our network, no matter what it is from from yeah. copiers, MRI machines, the security cameras, it's all plugged into her environment now, right? And she yeah. was getting at a similar theme that you're getting at, right? Which is healthcare data and risk to healthcare data from a cybersecurity threat is, is sort of in, in every nook and every cranny. Um, That's, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's an expansion of the amount of data, but it's an expansion of the attack surface, right? So there's, there's technology everywhere copiers obviously hospital beds are connected there's um you know all sorts of medical devices in you know insulin pumps and, and pacemakers our bathroom scales connected to the internet um but when when there ends up being um targeted attacks against those sorts of personal devices that and, you know there's there's life-threatening consequences potentially for patients yeah, that, that kind of gets us thinking a little bit about risk and threats, you know, and, and I think about classic likelihood and impact, right? And what mm. we're at there is what's the impact if this is under threat a little right. bit? Right? You know, the impact of my right. watch, okay, might not be life-threatening. It might be privacy concerning, depending on what I'm tracking on it and what gets out in where. Um, but if it's an insulin pump, to your point, that's under attack or a diagnostic imaging machine that's important for the emergency department and that has a different kind of an impact to the organization right right so you know there's there's all sorts of different considerations in that in in that kind of risk management discussion so you see the later groundwork i think for us to keep working this which is the data is much bigger the, the attack surface, using your language, is much broader, um, right? And the threats are evolving. So maybe speak there a little bit in terms of what you've been seeing in changes in threats or technology or approaches that security teams are using. You know, what what are you seeing as some of the evolving, changing things over your over the last few years in your career? Yeah, well, let me start with everybody's favorite topic, I guess, and that's. Well, maybe not, depending on who you ask, but um, and that that's ransomware. Okay. Um, hot topic, obviously. Um, feels like there's, it feels like there's a, a, a new headline. You know, certainly every week, if not every day, about the latest victim. Um, but the, I think the the challenges that healthcare organizations face in dealing with ransomware is, is preparedness. Um, you know, so if, if they don't have the proper plans in place, then, you know, that, that type of attack can be devastating both to the, 
to the business. But again, there, there's there's patient safety, uh, you know, ramifications too. If if care can't be provided because because uh, you know providers can't get at the, the data that they need, then then there is a, a patient safety part of that discussion. Um, you know, in terms of other other threats and and you know um, vulnerabilities that are out there. One of the you know one of the you know leading research uh, avenues on this is the the Verizon data breach report. Um, and healthcare is is always one of the in industries that's included in that. Um, I think what that tells us is that. It's it's sort of a common refrain, but it's it's no longer if, but but when, you know, you're you're going to experience some sort of incident. I think in in the, in the 2022 report, the the top um, the top pattern of attack that they identified for the healthcare industry was was called basic web application attacks. But that I think that. It still goes along with what we were saying is that is that there is that expanded attack surface. You know, there, there's more there's more web applications to attack, and they I, I think the number was around sixty percent that those those types of uh, attacks made up for healthcare. Um, I do think what what is interesting um, there was also in, in that Verizon report. Is that the other uh, forty or so percent is really around insiders, insider threats for healthcare organizations, um, which is which is something I think that everybody needs to be thinking about, um, whether you're in healthcare or not. But but for healthcare, um, in, insiders have traditionally ranked as much higher of a risk than other industries. Um, this year was a little bit a little bit different. In that, insiders um, the they were two and a half times more likely to make a mistake than than doing something malicious. Um, but at the same time, it, I think that it still suggests that there is sort of a people element to that that discussion. You hit on a number of of interesting thoughts there, and we might want to just kind of follow up on a few of them. Yeah, individually. And I'm going to start with the last one, which is sort of that insider threat, because that's an interesting perspective. And I think most thinking that clients may have is jumps first to the external, the outsider threat, you know, the ransomware. And yes, you have the employee who may click on the link or open the attachment that is the, the way the external threat got in. But right. but it, it was an external attack, right? Not an internal attack. And internal attacks may not be malicious, but some could be, right? And it's probably less frequent that they're a malicious internal attack. But I'm going to ask a follow-up question that you just got me thinking about, which is, you know, burnout right now in healthcare is at an all-time high. I think our colleague Vienna mentioned, like, I think it was the Surgeon General put out, like, clinician burnout is one of their top priorities for the coming year. Right. And mm -hmm. we talk about the great resignation and we talk about the staffing challenges are number one. The number one topic of every client I'm talking to right now is staffing pretty much. Right. So sure. 
if we overlay that staffing challenge world we're in right now against insider threat being a higher likelihood in healthcare, whether it's not malicious, just kind of skipping a step or moving quickly or being careless or a disgruntled employee with a high stress environment that we're working through right now. Like you got me really got me thinking there. Any thoughts on that? Like if we look at the world we're in right now in healthcare, and that is a higher level of threat, any thoughts or reaction you have? I think it's, I think it's something that organizations need to be paying attention to. And, and, you know, the, it is a, the, the burnout is a, is a well-being discussion, right? Um, but like you said, does that lead to carelessness? Does that lead to somebody, you know, um, uploading a, a, a batch of data to the wrong FTP server? Uh, you know, those sorts of things. So, so how do leaders and how, how does an organization support their team? And it's, it's providers, but it's, it's, it's everyone on the team, right? You know, the cybersecurity professionals are, are facing the, the same type of burnout right now. So is it, is it somebody that configured the FTP server incorrectly, insecurely? Um, so it's, it is um it's it's just something that that people need to be paying attention to i think you're right yeah and, and if i'm not mistaken i believe one of the tactics that external actors use to exploit a potential client or target is kind of urgency like that's one of their tools right like send an email with some sort of urgent call sure. or action that makes you feel like i gotta move fast on this right. thing, like they right. they they spoof being your boss with some request, right? Or perfect. Or they yeah. or they say, hey, the 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 tickets to the baseball thing fell through. Who wants them, right? There, there's some call to action that's urgent, and what they're hoping for is the person doesn't stop, think, and say, is this real, right? They 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 click, they reply, they open, they do whatever the action is that they're looking for quickly, and then they find themselves in a pickle. Right, right. Perfect example. So you overlay that with burnout, right? And and you kind of start to have better conditions for the external actor trying to exploit the internal person. That's right. That's right. Are you seeing any evolution or are you, are you seeing any thinking in the training, security awareness training our clients are doing in terms of recognizing that, thinking about that, thinking about urgency and burnout and the human element and and actually coaching their employees to think that way i think i think most importantly before we even get there is to is is exactly what you mentioned is to do security awareness training at all let's start there um i i think developing that kind of um awareness into the into the training program is would be would be great but let's if we can start with basics and and you know at least have an awareness of of what you're looking for and oftentimes you know um we've we see phishing simulation uh programs where you kind of have those those tests where it's a uh you know a spoofed email from the boss um so um those are those are great activities to do 
we, you know, it's, it's always fun to see the, the, the click count. Who's who, who are your clickers who you need to go visit? Maybe um, can be scary to see who your clickers are too, though. Well, and, and doing exercises like that, you know, figuring out who your clickers are and doing proactive tests like that also, I think, helps you shift the culture, the cybersecurity culture a little bit if you do it well, right? There's awareness and there's culture, right? Because you want if you do that, you don't want it to be punitive, right? Like you don't necessarily want people to feel bad necessarily that they clicked on the exercise. You want them to learn from the exercise, right? And you want, ideally, you want to build just that little bit of awareness that they get the real thing and they say, hmm, maybe I should call IT, right? Just stop and think, just stop and think for just a second. Yep. But it's a, like, it is, it is, it's exactly that. It's a, it has to be a culture. Um, you know, we, we kind of talk about the, uh, the 90, 10 principle all the time, you know, you know, 90% of, of security controls have some sort of human element. And I know uh, you want to tell us about your favorite, your favorite comic. Well, yeah, there, there, there's that cartoon, right? I think we've all seen it in secure pre presentations everywhere, but, but I like it for this exact reason, right? It's sort of the, uh, it shows that boxing ring, right? With an announcer and it's and the announcer saying in this corner, we have, you know, firewalls, encryption, you know, antivirus, and in this other corner, we have Dave. Right? Dave that's who it is, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> we happen to have a colleague named Dave, but that's not actually who, who we mean. But but the whole idea is we can put all these technology instruments and protections and technology in place, and it still can just be the person clicking in that link or opening that attachment or doing the action, <laughs> letting some stranger in to the hallway, sure. right? With with traditional like physical intrusion sure. social you know, social engineering type attacks, right? You know, it's it's the person not stopping and thinking. Right. They can get in your way. So let's pivot and talk more about the human element. We've been getting into it already, but, you know, what are some of those best practices you've seen for organizations that kind of think about that human element and coach up the right aspects in, in their workforce? You mentioned the training, but but what else should go into that? Well, it has to be, you know, it has to be consciously and and consistently and deliberately maintaining that culture of awareness of security and, and of compliance. Um, so the the workforce, your your employees, your staff, they they. Yes, they have to take training, but they also need to know their responsibilities and, and their roles in protecting data, right? Yeah. Um, and part of that is having good, thorough policies and procedures um, and Part of that is your, again, your employees having an awareness of those policies and procedures. So it's not, it, it can't be a uh, set it and forget it exercise, right? It, it, it's not a one and done deal. Um, it, it has to be continuous and, and ongoing. 
and and you hint at policies and procedures, which really aren't the most exciting topic in <laughs> cybersecurity discussions, but but no. they're so important to being fundamentally sound, right? And I know you and I have talked about this before, but but having a policy and a procedure is great, but you got to actually follow them. Yeah, actually, have to that's it. Do them right. You can almost be worse right. off if you have something and you aren't doing it right. Yeah. Um, and you have to have a culture that supports people doing the right thing, right? So, so take an example. Someone, you know, has their laptop in their car, stops at a grocery store, has it stolen, you know, broken, and stolen, right? Because the the lost or stolen unencrypted thumb drive or or unencrypted device has long been the, one of those frequent flyers on the HIPAA bad list, right? Um, yep. But you don't want the employee to that then say, oh, I'm going to keep looking for this all weekends and next week and not tell someone this has happened, right? Because they're fearful of being in trouble. You want that person to say, wow, that wasn't good, but my first call is to IT or whatever that procedure should be for the situation when it occurs. Right. right? And, and so that takes an organizational culture that embraces and allows employees to do the right thing at the right time in the right way. Right, right. I'll give I'll, I'll give you an example of of a, a recent example. I think it, just within the last week or so, the Connecticut um, DCF Department of, of Children and Families uh, reported that I think it was over the last four months that they've lost track of a hundred or so laptops. So, what what happened to those? You know who you know where that you know like to your point where did, did employees re report those <laughs> missing machines what what happens to to those assets um and then obviously if there's just those floating around out there that's a that's a whole other discussion and what data's on those but um yeah I, I again the 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 culture like we were saying needs to be that that your employees are are comfortable with reporting what they what they see and what they do because inherently humans are going to make mistakes no matter how well trained they are right and so when that happens we want them to report it to your point right um Bingo. Yep. you know i was at a conference years ago and they had a cybersecurity panel, you know, speaking. And these were cybersecurity professionals from some of the, like the largest health systems and companies out there. And I remember one of them describing to me that they actually had like a, I think they described it as a cybersecurity range for their security team. Sure. You know, so yeah, you know, like a like a like a shooting range, right? So they could practice their techniques in a simulated, you know, practice environment, right? Which sounded unbelievably sophisticated. Right. You know, and most organizations don't have the resources to have that sort of a commitment to it. But that same panel, when they were asked at the end, like, what's the most important thing that anyone in this audience should do? They basically said it's not the whiz bang. It's not the 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 most elaborate stuff. Do the fundamentals and do them really well was sort of what their advice was after this right. lengthy discussion around their cyber range, right? And right, right. I really resonated with me, and I'm curious if that resonates with you in your experience. It's, it's 
basic cyber hygiene, right? So, so there's, yes, there is an expanded attack surface. Yes, there's all sorts of new technology, but the basics go a long way. Tracking your inventory, the, the, the example, basic cyber hygiene controls go a really long way. Um, do the basics, do it well, like you said. For an organization that, that that resonates for right now, and they're saying, "Gosh, I I need to wrap my arms around the basics to do them well," you know, or maybe even an organization that's further along and pretty mature, but says, "Hey, I want to check, you know, my basics and see if I'm doing them well." Like, are there any good frame of references, any good security controls or frameworks that you think are good ones to consider if someone's wondering about how am I doing fundamentally? Yeah, there, there's, sure, there's there's quite a few to choose from. Um, but I would say um, one of the ones that, that we're seeing a lot of uh, a lot of work with right now, um, the Center for Internet Security Critical Security Controls used to be the top 20. We're, uh, we're now down to 18, so the top 18. Um, but they do a really good job of, of um, you know, breaking up apart the controls, um, not to get too detailed, but they, they break them into what's called implementation groups. And it's really about the size and complexity of your organization. So if it's a little, um, you know, uh, I'll, still, I'll, I'll stay with healthcare example, but, you know, if it's a, a small practice of, say, five or so providers, they might be in what's called implementation group one. So they're they're a smaller shop, um, and don't need all of the advanced controls that a whole hospital system maybe who would be implementation group three. And they get they the controls get more complex um, as you as you advance. Um, so uh, Center for Internet Security Critical Security Controls um, is a good is a good one. Um, NIST has all sorts of different flavors out there. The cybersecurity framework. Um, well, you know, that's, those are a good place to start. And even in those examples, you're a group one or you're a group three in those internet security, you know, controls, whichever group you should be in, or you fit best into, you want to be fundamentally sound at that level, right? You kind of want to think about that and say, all right, I don't, in group one, I don't need an elaborate, but the things I do need, I want to do really well. That's exactly right. One last thought, and then we'll maybe take it to the home stretch question. Um, but earlier in this discussion, you you mentioned something that it's said time and time again now in cybersecurity discussions that the 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 it's not if it's when statement, right? And that kind of comes up, and it's been a bit overused, but at the same time, it's relevant. And I can think back to a conference I was at, and I was uh, presenting on HIPAA security, and we were taking questions at the end. And I remember someone saying, you know, I'm a small rural health system and kind of in the middle of nowhere. Why do I need to worry so much about this? Right. And I think that speaks on the nose to it's not if it's when, right? Like you may be small, you may be in the middle of nowhere, your attack service may be smaller, your data may be narrower, your, you know, but Maybe your IT shop is smaller. Maybe your controls aren't as elaborate. You may be an easier, more vulnerable target. So you may not be the big whale, but you might be the 
wide minnow that someone's looking for in a wide a widespread attack, right? Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on on just digging into that. It's not if, but when mindset. Yeah, you know, I, um, I, in terms of you know having having somebody say that you know why why do I have to worry about it? Um, I think it doesn't it go though to the really the whole point of healthcare and that's protecting your patients right so 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 you 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 have a whole a whole wealth of of patient information and those individuals have the right to have that information protected and and that in in the in the healthcare world that we're in now that involves security measures in place to to do that um that's i don't know i guess that's how i how i see it i, I like that you know that that do no harm you know i, I can't quite sure. put it right in healthcare that adage but like yeah if cybersecurity team is thinking about that and, and think about what do we need to do to be fundamentally sound using that as the guidepost right mm-hmm. you know, we don't want to be down. We don't want to be exploited. We don't want to lose our patients' private sensitive information, right? We don't want our operations disrupted and turning away elective procedures while we get the system up and running that may impact our bottom line and thus our viability in the community, right? These are the things that could harm us or harm the patients we serve, right? So correct. All right. Well, this is fun. Let's um now let's bring this thing home, Brian. You know, our our colleague Danny started this tradition when he launched the podcast of a a closing question. We'll we'll keep it going, you know, for today. So the question is: You have unimaginable amounts of money to spend on healthcare technology, and believe it or not, you have no regulations to he- adhere to, which is in healthcare kind of a shocking <laughs> premise. But we're going to go with, yeah. If those conditions existed, what would be your top priority and why? I guess my first thought would be I would I'd throw everything out, artificial intelligence and, and research around a cure for, for Lewy body dementia, um, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, um, so that the millions of people and families out there don't need to suffer. Fair enough. So really pushing the research and using artificial intelligence to that's it. To find it. Fair enough. Yeah. I know that every direction that AI can be focused right now, I think they're focusing in, but aiming everything we got at one right. might bring about some results. Right. Right. Well, Brian, thank you so much. I certainly enjoyed it. I hope our listeners enjoyed it. Hopefully they're a little spooked and have a bout of insomnia, <laughs> but then maybe look at some of those frameworks and think about, well, it's just fundamentally sound and they can sleep better you know, afterwards. So I like um, it. Thanks, Dan. You're welcome. For our listeners, you can find our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google. Our next show will be coming soon and we'll hope you will tune in. I'm Dan Vogt. You've been listening to Barry Dunn's Healthcare Technology Insights. Thank you for listening. Be well and stay insightful.